Hey, podcast listeners, I'm sure you've all heard the story of Frank Serpico, who Al Pacino famously portrayed in the film Serpico. The story of an undercover officer in the NYPD who, while under deep cover, lost himself in the job. If you like that sort of story, then check out our new podcast, Chased, the Billy Chase story. Chase is based on the best-selling book, Chased, Alone, Black, and Undercover, written by Lenny Grimaldi. It follows the rise and tragic fall of a Bridgeport, Connecticut undercover officer who was taken advantage of by the system and tossed to the curb after his work had run dry, leading to him murdering his girlfriend and then turning the gun on himself. For more information, type in Criminal Minded Media wherever you listen to podcasts. In this final episode of this audio series, I needed to come full circle with an idea that I started 20 years ago as a young man. My instincts to uncover a battleground between hip-hop music and law enforcement was way ahead of the curve. And at that time, with the completion of my documentary film, Rap Sheet, I thought I had some answers and clarity on what I set out to accomplish. In hindsight, when I look at the landscape between our criminal justice system today and the many cases of murder or crime tied to the music of hip hop, I wonder if in those 20 years, if nothing has changed, Maybe it's gotten worse. There's something bittersweet about that analysis because that would mean within our society, the leaders we have, the intellectuals, and more importantly, law enforcement, just can't seem to evolve in any way. 2020 brought what many thought was a monumental cultural shift or awakening for us. But three years removed, the prison industrial complex, corrupt prosecutors, and the so-called system just seems to labor on with no concrete and lasting change. I can make a case that it is getting worse. Let's bring in civil rights activist and organizer DeRay McKesson, as well as clinical psychologist and former chief police officer, Dr. Cedric Alexander. All right, greetings to the both of you. Before we get into the nitty gritty about George Floyd, I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. And uh, so in one word, and Cedric, I want to start with you. How would you describe policing today? Uh, how I would describe it is that we still got a long way to go in terms of reforms mm. in this country. Mm. So it cannot be business as usual. We really have to look at new ways of how we provide public safety and we have to train police officers to do a specific job and not try to be everything to everybody. Absolutely. DeRay, what word or phrase would you use to describe policing in America today? Uh, the police still kill three people a day in this country. Hasn't stopped. Every year, the police kill about 1,100 people. That hasn't stopped either. So we've seen some movement on accountability and changes, and that's actually been a good thing, but the violence continues. As a direct correlation to the battle between hip-hop and the cops, there's a trial taking place right now down in Atlanta where the state of Georgia prosecutors are trying to convict Young Thug and YSL. Under the premise that his million-dollar record label was actually a sophisticated street gang involved in murder, 
drug dealing, weapons, and extortion. All right, let's talk about the trial of Grammy award-winning rapper Young Thug. What is the allegation against these defendants, and specifically Young Thug? Um, for Young Thug himself, not only participation in a criminal street gang, but being a leader slash founder slash in the management part of the street gang to further crimes as in murder, a sweeping indictment basically to get all of these members of YSL charged with various crimes and Jeffrey Williams is kind of the lead and the head of that. And so his, his charges really have to do with furthering the criminal activity, like promoting it, that kind of thing. What is the main defense been? Because I've seen it's been, what, that this is not a street gang at all? So he claims this is not a gang, that he's a, he's a musician, he's an artist, and Young Slime Life is, is, uh, is not Young Slime Life, and that he has a record deal, and he's not a member of a gang. The problem is, as we'll get into, he's got some of his closest people that have said that it's a gang, and that's has started happening in plea deals. Defendant and his fellow YSL associates committed the drive-by shooting reference in sections three and four above on behalf of YSL and to increase the notoriety, reputation, and fear of YSL. Number six, defendant admitted committing and was convicted of aggravated assault and participation in criminal street gang activity, among other charges, for his participation in the drive-by shooting referenced in sections three, four, and five above. Number seven, defendant was told by another YSL associate that immediately after the murder of Donovan Thomas Jr., YSL associates met at the McDonald's on Cleveland Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia, to discuss the murder. Number eight, defendant personally knows that one or more YSL associates committed the murder of Donovan Thomas Jr. on behalf of YSL. Number nine, on Jan January the 10th, 2015, after the murder of Donovan Thomas Jr., defendant and other YSL associates gathered at the home of Jeffrey Williams, a.k.a. Young Thug, who gave defendant and other YSL associates cash money to lay low. This is a textbook RICO case, an example of what prosecutors, gang unit investigators, the FBI, and state police can do with the volatile mix of celebrity, a past history of ongoing street beefs, and the time and money to build a case over the course of 10 years. The YSL case is a modern look on how clicks and not street gangs are the new structure of crime inside cities like Atlanta, Chicago, LA, New York, and Miami. The day and age of the huge Bloods or Crips pyramid schemes are over. In its place, violence sells, emboldened by social media, a preference for nihilistic violence, and if they're lucky, a former member who has made it to the big time inside the music industry. Rap has been around for decades. And it's gotten so mainstream, it's now even part of the Super Bowl halftime show. But now, there's a new style of rap that's blowing up. And it's gotten to the point where the mayor of New York is so concerned that he's trying to rein it in. Mayor Eric Adams is trying to curb the violence associated with drill rap. Now that's a branch of rap music that is about the violent side of the streets. I had no idea what drill rapping was, but I called my son and he sent me some videos, and it is alarming. 
drill rap came under renewed scrutiny after 18-year-old artist Jaquan McKinley's murder earlier this month. Adams made national headlines late Friday when he called out social media companies for their responsibility in promoting violence in drill rap videos, and he vowed to put a plan in motion. We pulled Trump off Twitter because of what he was spewing, yet we are allowing uh, uh, music, displaying of guns, violence, we're allowing it to stay uh, on these sites. What is drill rap? And why is it even scaring the mayor of New York? It can also celebrate gang violence. And that's what has some people worried about drill rap. The hard-driving beats and dark, ominous sound of drill originated in Chicago. It was also heavily gang-affiliated. It got a new life in Brooklyn and was brought into the mainstream by the late Pop Smoke. Drill music has been around for more than a decade, but local activists tell us what's different is that the music now has a darker tone, with drill rappers creating songs and viral dances that celebrate local murders. Leaky got shot. What the hell? Fast face hot. More than the music itself, NYPD says it's the taunting and dissing in the lyrics that are wrapped and posted on social media that fuel the violence. I was privy to seeing some of the investigative work product that was created by the Atlanta Police Department's gang unit and their sophistication in tracking all members of YSL and having the understanding of the intricate and nuanced nature of hip-hop inside Atlanta. It allowed them to connect at least five murders to YSL. Now the biggest question that remains, and it's a tricky one, prosecutors and cops feel that Young Thug was the proverbial leader of the YSL street gang and not the YSL entertainment conglomerate. And again, here's what will blow your mind. When Young Thug and YSL was indicted, the record label was worth an upwards of $100 million. The only similar case that comes close to this is Irv Gotti and his brother Chris Gotti being indicted by the feds at the height of their Murder, Inc. record label. And I love my soldiers. That's one of the reasons why the whole shit with the federal government or whatever like that they, they looked at me kind of fucking weird. Boom, they were saying shit like, everyone from Murder, Inc. has criminal record. And I would tell my lawyer shit like, yeah, because I love my fucking niggas. And who else is going to believe in my niggas but me? Bill Gates? Steve Jobs? They ain't fucking with my niggas. Hopefully this is good shit for y'all. Y'all probably won't catch it again, so see, you're getting something real special. Hey, love me for me. They, they, they like, yo, he's crazy. He keeps it so real and so honest. In Irv Gotti's case, once he was indicted, all of the people on the business side of Def Jam Records and Universal, they ran for the hills. They wanted nothing to do with him. And although Irv had made hundreds of millions of dollars legally, the Fed still felt that he was laundering money for Supreme Team founder and super gangster Kenneth Supreme McGriff. Now, Irv and his brother beat that case at trial and walked away free. But from the business side, they took an immense hit. In the case of Young Thug, the industry has treated him the opposite. Kevin Lyles, one of the most successful hip-hop executives ever, is standing up for Young Thug and has agreed to testify on his behalf. 
Young Thug's witness list is long and varied, with a litany of artists, executives, and authors who have studied the unique relationship between recorded music and the use of it in the furtherance of a crime. I recently did a deep dive into the case in the form of a documentary short. Here are some excerpts of audio and information that I found out. This YSL trial in Young Doug is everywhere. But like anything in hip-hop in the cops, a lot of the true information has been hidden. And let me tell you, the real story is a 10-year journey that goes deep to the underbelly of the streets in Atlanta. And it's a story that even with all the news that's been out there, no one is really talking about it. But I'm going to break it down. To understand the real story, you got to understand for almost 10 years, the Atlanta PD gang unit, the ATF, United States Marshals, and the DEA, been looking hard at the YSL 30 Deep crew and the Inglewood family bloods. In January of 2015, a gang war started between the two rivals, Young Slime Life 30 Deep, which included Young Thug, AKA King Slime, Birdman of Cash Money, and Rich Homie Quan. Many speculate that the violent incident started around the time that the duo Rich Gang split after making a compilation album. While the beef started inside hip-hop, it trickled down to the streets. In a street beef between Kenneth Woody Copeland and Mr. Kelvin, or Shell Kel Watts. Word is, a shooting occurred at a gambling house in Atlanta's notorious Zone 3, with several people bucking shots. Then. Kenneth Woody Copeland was assaulted at the strip club Crucial, and it was Shell Cow and the Inglewood family bloods that set it off, while Woody was flashing a large sum of cash. Woody wasn't going to take that disrespect, so he decided to do a drive-by at Tig Studios, which was frequented by the Inglewood family gang members and rappers. The war escalated even further when Donovan Peanut Thomas was shot and killed in a drive-by shooting. Pina was a high-ranking member of the Inglewood Family Bloods, said to be the number four highest-ranking blood gang member in the whole state of Georgia. Yeah, you heard that right. Once Pina was killed, the Inglewood family started posting threats to social media, stating that YSL, SMM blood members with direct ties to Young Thug were responsible. It was at this point that a large-ranging homicide investigation began into the two cliques with direct ties back to the hip-hop industry. YSL and crew were being watched heavy. At the same time, YFN Lucci, another hip-hop superstar, made a music video called Patience that shows Pina being killed in a drive-by. Now, Lucci is caught up in his own gang indictment, and don't get it twisted. Lucci will not be testifying anywhere near the YSL RICO case as he faces his own murder charges. So no need for any speculation there. Today I'm joined by the Atlanta Police Chief, Chief Rodney Bryant, as well as my sheriff and our sheriff, Sheriff Patrick Labatt. Um, we are here today about a grand jury indictment that was returned um, that included 
not just Jeffrey Williams, which is of some notoriety and media attention, but about 28 defendants that operated within our community between the time period of 2012 and 2022. Um, it is our allegation that they operated as a criminal street gang and commenced to do havoc in our community. That havoc includes um, crimes of violence, um, crimes of thefts, crimes involving drugs. I've made no secret about it, nor any apology, that as the District Attorney of Fulton County, my number one focus is targeting gangs. And there's a reason for that. They are committing conservatively 75 to 80 percent of all of the violent crime that we are seeing within our community. And so they have to be rooted out of our community. I said just a week or two ago, it does not matter what your notoriety is, what your fame is. If you come to Fulton County, Georgia, and you commit crimes, and certainly if those crimes are in furtherance of a street gang, that you are going to become a target and a focus, focus of this district attorney's office, and we are going to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. When I was investigating and writing rap sheets, social media didn't exist. It wasn't a tool where you could track in real time all the news that swirls around these street beefs, shootings, and the inner workings of gangs, and the connection to artists in different cities. It's a real-life ticker of breaking news that is constantly updating for fans, but also feeding the beast of misinformation and petty back and forth on what hip-hop artists have cooperated with law enforcement or what paperwork has been uncovered who has cooperated in the past to get out of jail. Now, smart police departments and investigators that are housed in major crime divisions now know they can sit on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram and really track the movements of these street cliques. Or even better, they can use evidence gathered off of social media to indict and convict any criminal activity. Captain Jeremy Morosky is checking the De Pere Police Department's Facebook page. Ten years ago or thereabouts, I would not have seen it going this way. Sharing information via social media has become a huge tool for police. We put out surveillance photos for suspicious incidents, and a lot of times people can help us identify the people in the video. We'll have people that will actually turn themselves in because they don't want their picture out on Facebook. Advantage. But as police learn how to best utilize technology, so do criminals. And when illegal activity is taking place online, it adds another learning curve. It takes a lot for us to learn about those social media platforms, figure out how the bad guys are exploiting them, and then how do we fully investigate those. But for all the complications, the information gathered via social media has proven invaluable to police. I wasn't sophisticated enough when I was a young man to really unpack all the many layers of the story I was following. And now 20 years later, I think maybe I might be starting to get exhausted by it. I recently started to work on a possible sequel to my first film, Rap Sheet. But yet again, while there's been many hip-hop crime docs since Rap Sheet, I feel the marketplace is still very hard to try and sell these stories. While I remain ahead of the curve on intelligence and knowledge, the business of Hollywood remains a very slow-moving machine. I'm sure as this story evolves, there will be a more in-depth look at all these issues swirling around YSL, Little Dirk's OTF crew in Chicago, and the ongoing rap war in Jacksonville, Florida that has taken many lives. 
Well, I did my reporting and investigating starting in 2003. I felt at that time there was violence within hip hop. I have to say it all felt different. It seemed like the gangsters of the 90s, they were calculating, filled with ideas on legitimacy and making more money than the actual hip hop artists. Today, gangsters want clout, not so much money. They want a name in the streets or a name for their clique. And that is basically enough. And guess what? The surveillance age is upon us where every shooting is caught in 4K video. And this code of no snitching and this code of no snitching has seemed to evaporate. It's a heady mix for more career making cases for prosecutors and cops who are smart across the United States because hip hop sells. Hip-hop and crime fascinates the mainstream now. You see it on the cover of the New York Times. While this is the last episode in season one of Hip-Hop vs. the Cops, please stay tuned to Criminal Minded Media for season two and audio interviews with characters on both sides of this ever-evolving debate. Thank you for listening to season one of Hip Hop and the Cops, a Criminal Minded Media audio series. For more information, type in Criminal Minded Media wherever you listen to podcasts. We have fascinating audio documentaries and interviews covering hip hop and crime, policing, pop culture, sports, and true crime. Again, type in Criminal Minded Media wherever you listen to podcasts.